Thank you for listening to our weekly Baylife Church podcast. Make sure you visit our website, baylifechurch.org.au, where you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes so that you'll never miss another message. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. You know, as kids, we've all got mums, we've all been born to someone, right? You know, and maybe your memory of your mum wasn't fantastic, but you know, there's good in everyone. If you dig deep enough, there's goodness somewhere, I believe. You know, people had their moments where you're like, oh, they're so different today. So, you know, like we've got to thank God for the good things, even if our mothers weren't who we wanted them to be. But my mum was amazing for me. So I was totally blessed and just being raised in the house of God all my life. I mean, wow, such an honour and privilege to be raised in God's house. So if you're a child and you come to church and go, I wish I could be somewhere else, let me tell you this, this is the best place you can be, is to grow up in the house of God. You might not like it right now, but you're going to look back on years to come and go, wow, I'm so glad my mum and dad took me to church. I'm so glad I heard that Jesus loved me. I'm so glad that I've been kept from so many things. There's so much to thank God for. And this morning, I want to share a message with you. It's a little bit different, and I've called it risk taker. You know, we take a risk every time we get behind our steering wheels, right? Every time we get out on that road, we're all taking a risk, right? Especially when some of you get on the road. I mean, I'm a pretty good driver, right? But I don't know about the rest of you. I'm good, right? You know, and, and just talking about mums this morning, you know, I just believe God spoke to me this morning, and it's for you, Clinton. And, you know, it's not often that we say a word for our children. But just as we were talking, as we were singing about the generations, God just started to speak to me about you, Clinton. And sometimes Clinton goes, Mom, why did you call me Clinton? You know, we had this conversation so many, for so many years. And, you know, God just said to me, it's because, you know, his, his name means headland. And it means because God has made you strong, Clinton. And he's made you strong for your family. And you stand out. If you go up on headlands, they're strong because they hold the weight. And you're holding the weight for your family. And also a headland is where you look out. And you're also looking out for your family, not just in the natural, but in the spiritual. And because of that, you're going to pray for them and continue to pray. And I know that you do. But you're going to be able to war for them as well. You're going to be able to see when the enemy is coming and be able to take it out because that's who you are. You're blessed by God. That name is strong. So don't despise it. Love it. I just really felt I had to say that this morning. I didn't want to have that conversation over lunch with him today. I just believe when God moves on you, just do it, right? Just, just, just launch out. Don't, don't be ashamed. Just, just do it. And, um, but, you know, my story is about a risk taker this morning. And this story isn't about some hero that got a bravery reward. And this week, just um, the New South Wales Rural Fire Brigade was handing out bravery awards to people that have rescued so many people from horrendous things, you know, homes that were burning, uh, fires, resuscitated people. And those bravery awards are meant to go out and people are meant to be honoured for those things that they have done. But my hero this morning is a woman from the Bible called Rahab. And you might be thinking this morning, why do you want to speak on Rahab on Mother's Day? Well, you've got to hold on to your seat to find out why I'm talking about Rahab on Mother's Day. Because Rahab is an amazing lady. And Rahab, you know, she grew up in the city of Jericho. 
and Jericho, they served pagan gods. Pagan gods mean not serving our God, other gods, gods that are dumb, gods that cannot speak, gods that can do nothing for you but take things from you. And that's the way she grew up in Jericho. And the Bible says that she was a harlot, or if you want to say a prostitute. Now, for those that are young, and you might think, well, what's one of those? I'm going to say it like this. It's a person that has too many boyfriends, and they keep coming around your house. Too many. And they're paying you because they want you to be their girlfriend. That's how I'm going to put it this morning, right? That's the best way I can come up with it this morning. So I'm going to go with that. But you know what? I believe that, you know, maybe as a little girl, she dreamed of one day of marrying and having children. I don't believe she thought, I can't wait to grow up and be a harlot. I can't wait. So exciting. What a dream. I don't believe that's what was in her mind. But the Bible says that Jericho was a walled city, a strong walled city. And her house was literally, if you were stood outside Jericho wall, you'd be able to look up and you would see her house. Her house was on the outside of the wall. And the people in the town would have known where Rahab lived. And they would have seen people coming and going. And she was good at keeping secrets because that's what they do. And they're good at lying. But I believe that's how did she get there? We really don't know. But at the time of Jericho, Moses, who was the leader of Israel that had taken, taken them out of Egypt, and he had died, and now Joshua was in charge of the Israelites. And it says that Joshua sent two spies to go and check out Jericho. He said this, go out and spy the country and come back and tell me what it's like. But what did they do? They went to spy out the country and they arrived at Rahab's house, the house that you're not meant to go to. That's where the spies went. And it says it wasn't long before the king found out that the spies were at Rahab's house. Now, when he found out that they were at Rahab's house, the Bible says that the king sent word to Rahab and said, bring out the men who have come to stay in the, in the night at your house for the night. They're spies and they've come to spy out the whole country. So here's the king. He sent these soldiers round to her door, knocking on her door going, uh, Rahab, we know you have spies in there. Bring them out. Rahab boldly goes to the door, comes out and goes, nah, they're not here. Well, they were here, but they're gone. They're no longer here. In fact, they left not long ago and they went that way through the city gates. And if you hurry up, you might catch them. So here she is. She is saying they are not here. You know, she had the chance right there and then to raise the alarm on them. She didn't have to but say that they're safe in her house. She didn't need to. She could have just brought them out and maybe got some money for her trouble. But she didn't do that. Instead, this woman, she took a risk because she had hidden the men on the upstairs of her house outside and covered them with flax. She lied 
outright to the king's soldiers. My question is this, why did she lie? Why did she do that? I'll tell you why. She knew that God was with the spies. She knew that God was with them. She'd heard of Israel's God and she was willing to risk her life for their God. Remember, she was used to lying. It was part of her profession. No, no, Joe wasn't here. Jack wasn't here. Fred wasn't here. No, none of them were here. She was used to that. She was used to lying and keeping secrets. But why was she willing to lie for these guys? One of the reasons that she was willing to lie for their God, lie for them, because she knew that they had a powerful God. How do I know that she knows their God is powerful? How do I know that? Because she had heard powerful stories about their God. Now, I don't know about you, but God has intervened in my life many, many times. And I've got a story about my God. And maybe in your life you're thinking, well, I don't have a story about God. But you know what? If you start to get a relationship with God, you'll be able to look back and you'll have a story about God in your life. Because God works with you where you're at. And God has worked with me through my bad times and my good times. And sometimes in the worst times of my life, I've got a story about what God has done and how powerful he has worked in my life. So she starts to talk to the spies about their God and how great their God is. And I love what she says in Joshua 2. She says this, I know. Have you ever had a conversation with someone and somebody's trying to tell you something? You go, I know. She goes, I know. I know that God has given you the land. I know this. This is one of the reasons she lied because she knew that God was with them. She knew that their God was powerful. And she says, I know that God has given you the land. And guess what? We're all afraid. We're all afraid. Everyone in the country feels hopeless. We heard how God dried up the waters of the Red Sea before you when you left Egypt. She's talking about an event that happened 40 years ago. She's talking about something that happened along, maybe before she was even born. Because they were afraid. They were scared of this God, this powerful God. And that's what we're meant to do is carry the stories down to each generation, what God has done. We were just singing a song about, about the blessing being upon the generation to generation. We're meant to speak about the goodness of God through every generation and declare his goodness. So she's talking about this event and she says, and you know what? We heard what you did to the kings of the Amorite. We heard what you did to them and we heard that you put a holy curse on them. And you know what? When we heard it, our heart sank. Ever had that sinking feeling? Like, oh. They all had a sinking feeling. We had the wind knocked out of us. All because of you. You and God, your God, God of heaven, 
and heavens and above of the above and God of the earth below. What is she doing? She's declaring how great their God is, writing for this is a pagan woman declaring about the greatness of God. This is a woman that has got a revelation about their God. She knows something is going to happen. And she's hanging on to these spies. No wonder she hid them on her rooftop. No wonder she lied. Because she knew that Jericho was doomed and so was she. And unless we come into a relationship with Christ, we are also, should I say it, doomed. And that's truth. We're either in Christ or we're outside of Christ. We're either for him or we're against him. Where do we stand this morning? Question is this, why would God choose Rahab, a harlot? Well, why does God choose us? What makes us think we're better? Oh, but we, uh, no, but what makes, think you, makes you think you're better? Jesus says, he that's got no sin casts the first stone, right? We're all sinners saved by grace. The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. There is no one without sin. And what I see, I see a story, a beautiful story of God going after Rahab. And God goes after us. It doesn't matter where we've been, what we've been up to. God goes after us because he loves us so much. He wants us in his world. You know, she would have been discarded by society, frowned on. Oh, look at her. Filthy thing. Scum. Who would want anything to do with her? That's not how Jesus saw her. That's not how God saw her. Jesus dealt with prostitutes in the New Testament, and that's not how he saw them. He saw them as lost, and he showed them his heart. You know, there's a song. I asked Di to do this song this morning because I love it, Ready or Not. I said to Clinton, oh, yeah, we're going to do Ready or Not. He goes, Mom, we sang it the other week. You've been away for two weeks. I go, yeah, yeah, but I want Ready or Not. (laughs) So, you know what I love? I love the verses in that, but I love this bit in it. It says, because he welcomes the broken. He's all right with our past. Yes. He's all right with me. He, he knows. He knows what I've done. He knows. He knows. And he's all right with my past. And he's not mad at any one of us. Wow. You know, often I think, God, you must be really mad at me. But he's not. He's not mad at me. But it says he waits with open arms and says, come, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for what God can do in your life? Are you ready for the stories that you're going to be able to tell about his goodness and his greatness and his mercy over your life? You see, in Matthew, we see Jesus, he sat with tax collectors and sinners and the Pharisees are there and they're talking to the disciples And they're saying, huh, you know, we just don't get it. Your master, 
You know, like, why is he not hanging out with us? Why doesn't he just hang out with us? It says, why would your master die with low lives? Why would your master do that when he can sit with us? We know the law. We know about being good. We know about keeping the law. We know about being perfect. Well, they didn't realize they were flawed. Like every person, because we're all flawed. Every single one. But Jesus hears their response and he says to them, healthy people don't need a doctor, but the sick do. And that is why he came, because the sick need a doctor. He says to them, go and study the meaning of it. He says, I want you to show mercy. Show mercy. Often we think that person doesn't deserve mercy because they did this to me. Yes, they deserve mercy because the Bible says so. Because you might need mercy for yourself. So here's Rahab, a pagan, a prostitute, without hope. But something's changed because these two men have been sent to her door. God has sent them there. There's no coincidence in God. God directed them to her door. He could have sent them to a righteous, maybe someone that was close to maybe not so bad in paganism. But they were pagan, all of them. So he sends them to Rahab's house. And Rahab, you know, she's got nothing to lose. And she goes after a promise. You ever gone after a promise? Rahab is bold and she steps out and she says to them, says to them promise me by God, I showed you mercy. Now show me and my family mercy. You know, Rahab does not go back, not, does not hold back. She doesn't just say, oh, can you show me mercy? I need mercy. No, no. She says, and my family, all of them. She wasn't just concerned about me, myself, and I. She was concerned about her whole family. You see, when the Israelites would have attacked Jericho, she would have died, and her lineage would have died with it. Wiped from the face of the earth. But she's going after a promise. She's saying, come on, make me a promise. She had put everything on the line, everything. She'd gone the extra mile for them. And now she's saying, and now the, the men are saying, our lives for your lives. There's an exchange going on. Our lives, for, you saved us. Now it's our turn to do something for you. It's our turn. But you know what? Rahab doesn't stop there. She organizes a rope. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never let anybody down by a window before, especially a, a death drop. But that's what she does. She finds a rope and she helps the men get down. She helps them escape. This was some, some strong woman, right? I mean, maybe she went to the gym. I don't know. But she was very, very strong because she let them down, both of them. She's making sure the men get away. But, you know, there's something in it there. She tells them 
when they escape, where to go and hide. She says, you need to hide out for three days. And you need to hide out in this certain place because that's where they're going to, these, these are where the soldiers are going to be looking. You need to hide there and you need to do that for three days before you make it back. She's concerned that they make it back because if they don't make it back, she's doomed. How will anyone know that they have made her a promise? So it's important to her that they got back. And the men also said to her, hang this red rope. And I never read rope. I have this. We could probably hang on the end of it or something. (laughs) I reckon that would probably give way, wouldn't it? Hang this red rope. Very important. Hang this red rope through which you let us down and gather your family into your house. Your mother, your father, your brothers, just just bring them all in the house. But make sure you hang that. It must be hung. And not only that, they said to her, also swear an oath that you tell no one that we've been here. Don't tell a soul that we have been here. So it would have been really easy to label Rahab because she's a prostitute. And because of what she does. But I wonder if she was forced into it. Remember I said, I wonder what she dreamed of when she was a little girl. Maybe she was forced into it. Maybe she provided food for her family. Maybe also they despised her as well. Maybe they never saw her that much. But she's going after mercy for her family. She's going after the God of Israel to defend her, to save her. See, the red rope that she hung on the window, through a window, there was no power in that by itself, but it signified deliverance. It signified salvation. It signified mercy for her family. She was tell, you know, the Bible says she was to tell no one. I'm just wondering, how did she convince her family to come in the house? How did she get them in the door? Maybe they never came to a door or maybe they were regulars coming to a door because they just needed money. But everyone would have known that the Israelites had been to spy out the land. So they were all afraid. But she still couldn't tell them what was going to go down. But somehow she manages or convinces them to, to all come into the house because she, she's determined to see her family saved. How determined are we to see our family saved? How determined are we? It's, got, it's not got to be just for us. It's got to be for everyone. Everyone. You know, Peter, when he's preaching and baptizing people, He says this, he says, the promise is targeted to you and your children. We're singing about that blessing again this morning. To your children, but also to all who are far away, whom in ever, in fact, our God, our master God invites all, everyone. He wants everyone to come. So never stop praying for your family. Don't give up. Don't give up. And we know that when the spies returned and Joshua found out, Joshua tells the people that the city is going to be doomed, but Rahab and her family must be saved. That nothing was to happen to them. 
See, Rahab, she had been so brave, so out on a limb to do what she was doing. I just imagine the army of Israel, as you know, they circle round once a day in silence. Very intimidating for those that are inside. They weren't laughing at Israel circling round. They were afraid. But her family was safe. They were in the house, in Rahab's house. They were safe because she was determined to keep them safe. But imagine when the walls came down, the house or that part of the city wall must have still been standing because it says that the spies were told to go in and bring them out. Else there's no point in them being in the house at all. And this is why it was hung. I think, wow, that is amazing that God could preserve a piece of the wall so her family could be saved. You know, God looks out for us. He has you in his mind. You think God doesn't care. He cares. And he can see you right where you are. You know, her family was saved from certain death that day. You know, Hollywood has its own walk of fame. You can nominate people and they have their name put in stars and then implanted in the footpath and people can walk along and ad admire them and say how wonderful they are. But our little hero, Rahab, her name is listed in the heroes of faith. In Hebrews, that endures all time. All time. This woman that was a pagan that started to declare the greatness of God, she recognized the God of Israel. And that's all it takes is starting to believe on his name. That's all it takes is that turning around and say, God, I need you. I need you in my life. That's all it is. It says in Hebrews 11.31, by an act of faith, Rahab the Jericho harlot welcomed the spies and escaped the destruction on those who refused to trust God. What did she do? She put the welcome mat out for the spies. You know, we need to keep putting the welcome mat out for those that are far off. We, keep, we, can, we just need to keep saying, come. Come on. Come. She recognized that God was powerful. And that's all we're doing is recognize that Jesus is the saviour of the world. She put her faith in their God and she hid their spies. And her actions caused the men to escape. See, Rahab became a part of Israel. She came out of pagan living and came into God's family. She came into Israel. And I love, this is where I was saying, you know, it's Mother's Day, right? You're probably thinking, what's this all about? Just hang on there. If we look in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, and I'm not going to read it out because it, it talks about the genealogy of Christ. But it says this in the message, in the first verse, it says this. It is the family tree of Jesus Christ, David's son, Abraham's son. In the New King James Version, it says it's the book 
of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And in the Passion, it says this is the scroll of the lineage and birth of Jesus, the anointed one, the son of David. So the first chapter of Matthew is, in, is introducing us to the lineage of Jesus Christ. It basically outlines who was born to who, who begot who, and how they landed where. But it also says that in chapter 1, verse 5, that someone begot Boaz by Rahab. Rahab is in that family tree. It's a pure redemption right there. She is in the family tree. You see... Rahab did not remain a harlot either when she came out of Jericho. She became part of Israel. And what's even great about it, she can be traced back to being one of Jesus' great, 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 grandmothers. Something so powerful about the generations. God knows what he's doing all along. Nothing is by coincidence. We don't come to God by coincidence. We don't come to church by coincidence. Our sin is not forgiven by coincidence. It's forgiven because Jesus Christ took our place of Con Calvary. This became redemption. This red, this little bit that represents the rope was mercy and deliverance. It signifies the power of the cross for us. There's deliverance for us. It also says about Rahab that she married this guy. But guess where he came from? The tribe of Judah. His father was the chieftain of Judah. She married someone prominent, someone that had clout. You know, we don't have to wear labels. We don't have to wear the past. We don't need to carry it around. Don't let people label you and certainly don't label yourself. Jesus is also referred to as the Lion of Judah. And we know that he breaks every chain. He sets people free from their past, from those labels. Our past lives cannot determine who we are. Can't determine about even what happened yesterday. It's what matters today. It's what counts today in the now in the present, what we do today with Jesus Christ, whether we say yes to him or whether we say no to him, whether we keep pushing him further and further away, or we say, yes, I don't understand it. I don't know all about the Bible and you don't need to because I certainly don't. We just need to believe that he is who he is. He's a God of heaven and earth. You know, to come to Jesus, we need to have faith. And that's all it is. I just want to trust you, Jesus, with my life. I don't get it, but I just want to trust you. Today, 
to make that step toward Jesus, we just need to be a risk taker. Let's be courageous. Take a step of faith. Put your trust in him today. Amen. Amen. Have a great Mother's Day and be blessed. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks so much. Let's put your hands together for Lois again. So good. Hey, um, well, happy Mother's Day. We have got a photo wall out the back that you're very welcome to take some photos that the team have put together. Hope you got your Mother's Day present if you came through the door. There's also some beautiful cupcakes that Rachel Jenkins has beautifully made out there. Now, they're for mums, right? So kids, don't run out the back and grab them. Leave them for the mums. And if there's some left after five seconds, um, you can have some as well. But I think they're just about enough there for the mums. Let's celebrate mums today. Hey, give your mum a call if she's still around and, uh, or go and visit her. And uh, let's do that together, hey? hey? Let me pray before we go there. Father, we do thank you for mothers. We love our mums. We honour our mums. We respect our mums. They're, they're such nurturers to our lives and such an encouragement generally. And uh, so, Mom, we do want to, so, Father, we want to lift up all the mums in the house this morning, but any mums that are watching on, and uh, uh, we just want to lift up you and encourage you. We, we thank you for the, the mums in this church, but God, gosh, we thank you for the mums that are, go the extra mile and, and do the fostering in our church too. It's an amazing, amazing thing to, to see where people go beyond their natural uh, I don't know, world and, and step in and, and take in other kids. It's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. And God, we want to honour them here this morning. And we ask for your blessing and your favour and your protection and your, your provision in every circumstance, God. And God, we want to honour you here this morning, in the name of Jesus Christ in this place. And uh, we, we, we declare that all in that name, in that name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. Come on, let's have a great morning. See you later.